everybody. Welcome to episode 33 of Frivolous Gravitas, uh, the name which apparently no one can take seriously. Um, Today we're going to be talking about a very serious matter actually, and that is uh, meaning in life, the meaning of life and how to ascribe meaning to life, mostly just meaning and what it means to us. Well put. Thank you. (laughs) So we're Chris is going to lead us on this one. I'm um, a bit under the weather uh, due to, um, well, if you're close to me, you know why. It's not life-threatening, but I will be okay. But if our uh, upload schedule decides to, you know, slow down a bit, uh, you'll know why. And it will be my fault. And you can send me, you know, fist shakes and whatnot. Curse my name. Digital loathings. Yeah. It, send us a picture of you like shaking your fist at the moon that will get our attention so in more serious matters um we are again looking at the idea of meaning and chris is going to lead us in this and so it's meaning is a lot more complex than you know we than just the word we can't just say oh my life has meaning because you know I feel like it does, which often is the case, but it's a lot more, it's one of those concepts that seems, you know, mystical on the surface and complex when you dig into it because meaning interacts with every aspect of life that we engage with. So Chris is going to take us through the meaning associated with words, our actions, what we make and what we make meaningful and how we make things meaningful. I hope that was uh, accurate, but uh, we do tend to take a few digressions. So with that in mind, uh, (laughs) hopefully we won't take too many digressions. I'll let Chris uh, take the rudder. Cool. Thank you very much, Jordan. Welcome everyone to Frivolous Gravitas. Once again, Chris Driver here with my friend and colleague, Jordan Roy. Uh, today I wanted to talk about meaning, and it's sort of been long in the uh, in the works and on the back burner because we wanted to cover some other major topics first that sort of encompass what we're going to talk about today. So if it feels like we're glossing over some pretty uh, abstract issues or uh, complex subjects and you're not sure where we came from, chances are it's probably from a previous episode we've spent two hours already discussing. So uh, I'll refer to a few of them just to make that more clear in case I forget to mention them or neglect to mention them uh, as we're going along with today's conversation. So primarily the episode on uh, relative uh, scopes, abstractions, um, marks are not for student, very much covered meaning and substance. And uh, our meta show pretty much covered a lot of like purpose and intent and things like that that we'll be covering today. I feel like that one was an exercise in creating meaning because yes. <laughs> it was definitely than, exercise. It's a good example, <laughs> but, uh, but go on. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, with that, I just wanted to start with the, some contention, I guess, just to keep everybody engaged and on their toes. So we'll talk about meaning with words and, In the sense of words, I'm talking not just speech, but words in general. So anybody's language or cultural background or idioms or any type of expressions that we get really used to. In our last episode, we talked a little bit where I kind of like bludgeoned the the nail head a little bit in discussing simplicity. Uh, I can't really remember what it was we were 
of course I'm on camera with that now. Mind fart. Oh yeah, well, it was calling someone simple being insulting or whatever. So the idea of insults and what we take as insult is um, prerequisite to that is a prescription of meaning. So with words like um, dropping N-bombs in rap music, we prescribe a lot of meaning to things like that with a huge sort of heavy historical connotation where there was significant amounts of abuse and, of course, transgenerational uh, trauma that s stemmed from it. Um, those types of words have meanings, and those meanings are going to be different for different people. So oftentimes we'll hear people discuss, and I don't want to just say, you know, off the top of my head, just oh, people say this because that annoys the piss out of me. So we'll, we'll call them out. The GOP, the Grand Old Party, Republican Party, they love to say things like white lives matter in the face of black lives matter. And what they're doing when they say something like that is fundamentally missing the purpose or meaning in the Black Lives Matter movement, for an example. Or when um, when white people get mad that black people can drop N-bombs publicly, as I used to do when, in, in my less formative years. Um, because to have other people say words and then say that they're offensive, but only when other people did it to me felt racist and seemed racist in itself. So it was a contradiction of terms or at, at best. And at worst, it was an example of outright hypocrisy. Well, what I was fundamentally missing back then was the actual pain and strife that comes along with those words to other people who aren't me. So because I couldn't identify with the meaning that they prescribe to the word, but I heard it all the time. I, de I derived a separate, completely uh, isolated context for the use of that word in the music I was listening to. And that was very ignorant of the actual, um, the background to it. So one of the neat ways of figuring out how this type of um, prescription of meaning applies to different people and why we should even care about uh, placing value on other people's definitions or understandings is not because whether they're right or wrong about them, but the fact that there is actual pain and heart uh, and hurt there that's unnecessary. Um, not to say that it's unnecessary for them to have the pain and hurt, but it's unnecessary for me to impose that pain and hurt because those words aren't really necessary to, to my communication and <clears throat> language is fundamentally fundamentally for um communication of ideas and expression so yeah so well i don't know if i do we want to get into um that particular conflict or do we want to move on a bit well i did that's why i was saying okay sorry i mean i, I don't know how much we want to dive further into that example well the example i was going to give though is um tupac often talked okay. about thug life and the idea of thug life is if this is what these people are going to call us to denigrate us then we're going to own the title and we're going to make it our own so it right. was a, it was a statement of empowerment to an oppressed people calling so themselves is... thugs as opposed to the news media and politicians calling them thugs for being right. desperate and poor so this reminds me a lot of the um <clears throat> excuse me uh, you guys are gonna have to bear with me uh the uh, the been a while since I've read it, but uh, the Foucauldian ideal, idea, not ideal, um, there are no Foucauldian ideals, but uh, the, uh, yeah, um, just take a quick jab there, but of um, taking the, 
taking the power of over a word because Foucault was very interested in power um, obsessively, but uh, he thought that words themselves contain the power which controlled people, um, which is a simplification, I know, but he did overcomplicate things. Um, one of the things that he mentioned in his, I think it was his first chapter of Discipline and Punish, was that if you if you, if you tell people not to do something, they're going to do it. So they're going to, if you're giving them power by uh, telling them not to do something. So if you say, oh, you know, you can't do this because you're poor, you can't do this because you're racial, you can't do this because you're thing, they're going to be like, oh, I bet you I can. And this is a normal human um universal even though he was kind of against human universals but um now with words you take the power from that word and you make it your own you know, thug life it's like oh you're calling me a thug well this is what i am now i'm not a thug i'm as white as, as hell but i can understand taking that denigration and seeing the pride in it but does that lessen the power that they have given to themselves over um, that phrase, you know, assuming Tupac was still alive and we could ask him. Yeah, it's not so much about the phrase, though. It's more about the person who's projecting the phrase. So instead of only hearing the word thug when white people are talking down on black people or when they're making racist statements on the news saying, yeah, it's another black man, you know, another thug. But then when a white guy commits the same crime, it's a white collar crime, apparently, no matter how petty the theft is. Right. But I mean, like, but there, there's subtleties to the language that we use. And Noam Chomsky sort of talks a lot about this, where um, I don't know if he mentioned this example specifically, but the first thing that comes to mind is like when when people die and they're reported on the news, they'll say, you know, 50 people died in this car crash or not car crash, a building falling over in Miami, mm -hmm. let's say. <clears throat> but they'll actually explicitly denote and underline how many women and how many children. And they'll just assume or imply how many men were killed. Or in war, it was super common because, you know, only men were drafted in, in, this, in, in the States, not this country. But um, to report on the number of civilian lives lost, though, they would also say men, women, and children. But instead of saying men, they would say this many died, this many women and children. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that type of language is a form of misandry, like the opposite of misogyny where it's it's diminishing implicitly through a, a language bias the value of a human life of a man versus that of a child of any gender or a woman specifically right. but but it also <clears throat> ignores transgendered people entirely so yeah. I, i'm not claiming victimhood here i'm just I'm, saying the power of words to have inferences is very real yeah well look at well look at what they're doing with b bill uh, c16 and bill c36 <laughs> they're allowing words to act as um, the arbiters of uh, judgment. But now one might say as a man, like I me being a man, going back to your, um, you know, casualties in, um, in, in war or in a, in a disaster. Um, as a man, I don't really mind that in a way in an odd way is that like oh they're diminishing the um uh the sacrifice of the men in favor of the um surviving men and women but it's the sacrifice isn't meant so that i can be on the news it's meant to save those women and children 
and those who can't. Though I definitely, as a man, understand. Okay, this is gonna. I'm using the problem with talking about words is that you have to use words to explain it, and then we let's try. Oh, delicious to, irony! Eh? Yeah. So <laughs> well, let's try not to dissect, and let's try to ignore the irony for a second, <laughs> and get to the uh, under irony. Is that um, part of that? You sorry. Like I said, I'm a bit scrambled. Part of getting to use, have those assumptions about, you know, uh, meaning and stuff like that and denigrating it. Okay, sorry, I'm edit that. Well, out let me just want. finish my thought then and you can form yeah, that let me just a little differently. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, the prescription of meaning though and, and how we apply um, what we take offense to. Like, I, I don't take offense to that type of reporting of the news either, because I do value the lives of women and children above my own. The children are the future of the country, and the women give birth to children, regardless of how many men there are. There can, you need women to have children. Well, so as a that, practical matter, it makes sense for a country to follow the number of women and children deaths differently from the, the number of men, yeah, whether it's a disaster or soldier. Those who can protect those who can't. And that's I, I, I like saying it like that, using the language like that, because it does mean, it does take away the action. It does take away any silly identity groups that we've made up. Uh, it does take away any um, expectation because you can apply that to any situation where, you know, you have to use language in a thing. So those who can't, those who can help those who can't. So, you know, we have teachers. It doesn't matter who, what they are. They teach. Well, it's like, well, they're the ones who are sacrificing. Yes, they're sacrificing. If they're making a sacrifice, that's what we do. Those who can sacrifice for those who can't, period. Now, if it's a war, a lot more men are going to join and they're going to be okay with that. Strangely, it's part of being a person. But like, part of our I, biology too. Like. There is a biological imperative here that I don't think we can ignore but i think we can just leave it on the shelf for this discussion because yeah, i don't yeah. think we're going to get too much it. to get into and i'm not at all competent enough in biology <laughs> yeah but the um i think noam chomsky though is uh right in pointing out uh i do have my differences with him but he i do have massive respect for him unlike foucault <laughs> where um he has pointed out a very obvious fact and he's made light of how we use words to change the way we see something instead of it being like, um, it's, and after he said it, it becomes really obvious. You can, you know, point it out. Anyone who's watched, uh, CNN for, you know, one of the elections recently, you, you, you can point out the words being used, this or that. And then you go to Fox and it's the opposite, but the same. And it's just like, oh, wow, this is obvious because they're using such blatant words and they're doing, they're being very crass about it. But then um, if you go down and look at someone like uh, a thug or something, and that might be endearing to them. And then it, the term is not endearing to me at all. Um, I don't see any value in that, but I'm not gonna, you know, if someone says, oh yeah, I'm a bit of a thug and I'm gonna be like, oh, well, that's you. And I'm not gonna use that word. Maybe I'm 
quote unquote enlightened. God, I hate building myself up like that. But I can look past the words a bit and see what he's trying to say instead of focusing on what I want the word to mean. And if I focus on the associations and the meanings attached to the words rather than what they mean for the person, I think then we can maybe get a better understanding of what is meant. But when we attach a word to someone like, say, the N-word, and then they try and take it back, but you're like, you really can't take that one back. <laughs> mm. And uh, the, this sort of reminds me of the types of struggles that people with certain conditions have, like autistic people or Asperger's syndrome or, um, you know, think depression, bipolar, things like that, where it's really hard for a person with those types of conditions sometimes, not all the time. I'm not painting in broad strokes here, but but especially people like me, like I have difficulty understanding and um, and appreciating the 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 concern and meaning that other people prescribe to things because my mentality is the words have definition. So if I use the word according to the definition, I said what I meant and I meant what I said. But in order to live in a civilized society, you can't just go around hurting people because you think it's okay. It's a really selfish and lonely way of living and going through life. And all you're doing, no matter how much good you do in the world, is you're, you're sprinkling harm on people for no reason other than the fact that it's easier than to be considerate. Well, so, it's the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We want to do good, but a lot of times in our efforts to do good, 50% of the time, we're not. Like, yeah, uh, what, what I'm saying is with the words that we're choosing, even mm -hmm. for me, it's very hard for me to um to pay attention to other people's misinterpretations of words that have proper definitions if that makes sense so Yo, like it does like i can't know what and that's the problem with c16 is like i can't know what you what words you have ascribed like meaning to like you know it's like that old um tv trope where uh you know you use a word it's like oh we're going to the mountain and then you know the the group of locals is just like oh <gasps> It's just, and so everyone, he's like, what, what? And it's like, that word is the most, you know, horrendous word in our language. It's like, how was I supposed to know that? <laughs> I wandered into this realm accidentally and asked for you guys to help me get out. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know you were here. Like, I'm but as it's, innocent it's as possible. It's regional too, right? Like certain places will have completely different regional uh, ascriptions to um, different types Take of French. profanity. You go into a French, you go to into a cathedral in Paris, and you'd be like, "Oh, what's this?" And you'd be like, "Oh, c'est un tabernacle." Yeah. <laughs> you do the same thing. You go, you do the same thing in Quebec, and they'll be like, "That's the tabernacle." It's like, "Well, why won't you say it? Yeah. <laughs> say the word. <laughs> say the word." <laughs> but in the same token, if you go to a school, like an elementary school in Quebec, and the teacher says, "Hey, what happened to your homework?" and the kid said, "Oh, c'est tout fucké." Like okay. it's not a swear because in Quebec, Tabanac is a swear. Yeah, that, that living in Quebec, that one, that one shook me because I, I, I was uh, talking with just some old guys there, and I was like, "Who are my neighbors in the billet I was at?" And he's just like, "Oh, le fuck ici," and it's just like, "What?" Yeah, he's pointing at a piece of my bike, but he doesn't have the words, so he just says "fuck gay." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like okay, uh, okay, uh, uh, learning experience for me here, and I'm learning. And he didn't know, and there was no reason to assume that he was going to offend me. But this 
ends up being a lot more grave when someone says, you know, Black Lives Matter, and I say, duh. (laughs) And then they go, how could you be so blithe about it? And I'm like, because Black Lives do matter. I I don't understand. Well, what, you think White Lives Matter too? And it's like, yes. And they're like, how dare you? And I'm like, okay, I'm out. (laughs) But But the thing, but what's happening there is people are creating the minefield for me to walk in like if i don't know there's a minefield and i say a bad french word and they're like ha ha is an idiot and like um but a lot of people are looking to take offense at things on both sides like you know you get these black lives matter people saying say it say all lives matter say it do it do it I'll, I'll, but, like, see, i think waiting. they're doing that though because they feel it and we don't see it because we don't feel it like the some people is, do the don't people understand. in the South want to actually make America great again? Okay, that's a separate thing, though. I'm it's just, not, let though. Me finish, <laughs> let me finish my thought here on the Black Lives Matter thing. Saying Black Lives Matter may be obvious to you and me, maybe it's not. But it's not obvious to everybody. It's only obvious to people who feel it. Just mm-hmm. like you and I talk about freedom, like it's obviously better to have freedom of movement and choice and prosperity and religion. It's so obvious to us being born and raised in Canada to just expect that freedom as a human right. Mm. But you talk to anybody in China and not all of them agree that they want freedom. Right. In fact, almost half of them disagree. Right, cuz so, a, a, a authoritarian government, you know, has been they've been told and fed and they've been fed the proper state approved meanings of freedom bad, authority they can't get anything done. Whereas when you actually look at what freedom does when it actually gears up the production at the beginning of world war two for uh like look at the production of liberty boats uh, literally just transport ships that america was making um and they just were like oh we're at war and they just went like three thousand percent increase in production and efficiency it's like oh boy japan doesn't have a chance and that's the thing is people will just be like yep i'll make liberty boats and like 300 other individuals did it. And so it's a, it's definitely a lie, but the lie doesn't matter in the uh, Noam Chomsky sense. Um, Chomskyan? I just don't like that word. It just flows bad off the tongue. Chomskykian. Chomskykian. <laughs> I like that. Sure. Uh, so they're being fed the meaning that doesn't really correspond with reality. But it sounds good and it feels good to march and it feels good to wave that flag and be one with all the other, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the crowd. And it's, it feels good, but it's not true. But again, not to everybody. That That's a meaning that you might have that I don't have. Like it, It's not at all meaningful for me to be marching and sink in a crowd. To me, that's the opposite. It induces anxiety to, to be restricted in my movement. And right. Freedom and well, that's movement. the other thing is that, so, well, that, okay, that, actually, this is a good example here because one of the things that I do believe is that, okay, you know how you have countries with mandatory military service, right? Yep. We need to protect our borders. Well, duh. <laughs> Again, duh. Now, it, does everyone need, is everyone capable of enjoying being capable in military service? Should we have mandatory military service? No, it's, 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 it's idiotic <laughs> because people like you, and now people like me would do terribly in the military. I would have been okay back in the day, but right now, no. And uh, you're also taking them away from doing valuable things in society and getting their life on the line 
on, on, uh, uh, together and you're forcing them to do things and carry meanings that aren't there. It's just in the way you said, and that I'm kind of like agreeing with you here and with my own little parable, I guess. And allow me to disagree with you then. Okay. <laughs> just, okay. just for the sake well, of discussion. Yeah. Let's, let's not make too many layers of this, but go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so, going to disagree with you now. <laughs> in the sense then that we're talking about prescriptions of meaning and people being forced to do things and coercion is bad and yada, yada, yada. And some people coercion is not bad and yada, yada, yada. There's also the prescription of hurt. Like you can try to hurt somebody intentionally with words and you can choose the words you know hurt them most, even if they're meaningless to you. Because so you, you can weaponize understand. that type of... Yeah. Well, it's like, no, I get this. I do get this because you get someone who... You know those words that you don't speak to a friend because you know them well enough to know what will hurt them the yeah. most, what will absolutely destroy them, and you don't say them. And it's only like three, four words. And we all know these words and people are our family and we don't speak them because... We know they're true enough, and if we were to say them, we it would only be out of a, a, a place of darkness, and it would hurt them so much because we know that those words have meaning enough to them based on their insecurities, their realities, their their fears and hopes, and we. But they're based on the meanings that have been that have constructed their lives. And those words in particular are the words that can destroy someone. And I've got a couple that I know would hurt me quite a bit. No, and likewise. Anyone, uh, and if anyone said them, I'd either break down or um, end up in... But it, uh, it's also the motivation <laughs> behind simple people calling other people sheep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a type of way of trying to hurt somebody else by diminishing them as a person. But mm -hmm. by... By squishing them or stepping over them uh, as greater human beings, and the, and the insult often tells us more about their insecurities than our own. Often does, but it doesn't change the hurt that it that it, no. that occurs to the the person involved. So here's the thing: when you have when you have people that are <laughs> transgendered or gay, and they hear somebody walking down the street saying, "Oh, the bus is late. That's gay." And the gay person gets offended because they're using the word gay as some negative connotation. Again, something I used to do when I was more ignorant of other people's feelings. Um, strictly speaking, because to me, it was just a word. And if you want to choose to view it as something negative, that's like saying that's not a quilt. It's a it's a comforter. You know what I mean? And then getting mad about it. To me, it's just a choice of words. Like, how do you get mad over words? But I'm kind of stunted like that. <laughs> it's not uh, it's not common or useful way of going about the world but mm. the issue is when people can take meanings from words that don't have intrinsic meaning in them and then use those or manipulate them towards serving another ga gain or um, another goal or objective so uh, an example of that might be like patriotism in in the states or propaganda in china you know or um, religious fervor in in the caste system in um, in India, you know, yeah, um, or like Saudi stuff, or yeah, Wahhabi. Um, like I don't know much back. about Wahhabism, but <laughs> we can trying go to back get a... into history. There's tons of that, like fervor for the king. Uh... <laughs> yeah, th those are like constructed intentionally in order to serve the purpose of the people constructing them. And this is, goes back to Walter Lippmann, who we love to refer to in public opinion. I really have to read where... that book again. <laughs> 
the choice so of good. our words, not just the material and content or subtext of, of our words, but like the actual choice of which words to use and not use and synonyms and homonyms and which words to repeat even. If you're trying to really make sure that you emphasize or highlight a certain concept or key idea, or if you're teaching and you want to help your students remember, you'll repeat things that you've already said in different right. ways to help them remember, right? But to use the same word when, when you repeat it three times really emphasizes and drives home that you have to remember that word because mm -hmm. they'll notice that you haven't used a different word in constructing that thought. So our choices of words are not only harmful by accident and harmful on purpose, they're also manipulative. And the only reason they're capable of being manipulating um, of other people is by using words that people find emotional attachment to. And generally speaking, we're emotionally attached to words that have meaning to us, like deep right. psychological meaning. So now Lipman would argue that the populace and the individuals that make up the populace, the mob, um, are too stupid to understand where this meaning comes from or create it consciously. And when they try, it's just cringy. Um, it really is. But I would say that this is formed <clears throat> um, memetically, which is a fancy way of saying it works by memes. And um, was it Dawkins? Yeah, it was Dawkins in the way that he kind of laid it out and which we're seeing very much so in um, on the internet right now. We don't, we can't predict which ones are going to have meaning. We can't predict how they're going to have meaning. They just do because the ideas come together and all of a sudden somebody's like, yeah, that describes what I'm feeling. And then someone's like, well, you know, you know, um, scub you, I guess. And the other guy's like, oh, would you say that about me? I just got this meaning. You're using it against me. And like, <laughs> and, and we don't know where it's going to go and we can't predict it. But to think that that makes the words actually be meaningless is also a fallacy because, you know, just because they're created organically and not somebody going like, well, what if I told them that they were this? Yeah, that would be the worst thing to say. No one's thinking about that. A lot of um a lot of these hatreds work very um naturally in a it's often the source of too of our poetry and our arts and our literature yes. is finding well, the, things that people have meaning already in and then twisting the words just slightly to either use it to maximize the emotional response you get from the reader or you could use it to confuse the reader intentionally, if it's like a misdirect them until or, line 10 or a distraction like, oh. yeah. or it's and foreshadowing. Sometimes they'll use a word that's a, a simile one, for another. One thing I tell people when I teach poetry is how could you say this differently? <clears throat> how could you say it? Like write this sentence out 16 different ways, pick mm -hmm. the one and keep them <laughs> and pick the one that you think works best with the lines around it. Because you can say one thing like uh, I, I mentioned this, I think, in our simplicity episode where I can say, or was that in a class? It's all kind of blurry in the last week <laughs> <laughs> where I can say one word. Oh no, it was in a class where I can say one phrase. I'm going to the store. I am uh, driving to the store, uh, to the store. I'm going, um, yeah, we I, did mention this. Yeah. And so I keep going on that. I can say it any way, but then I can say in the moment I can choose, I'm going to get, uh, I could just say it in the most offensive way possible. And I can think I've got like three and I every time I think of one, I just don't want to say it because I don't actually hate any of these people. <laughs> so I don't want to. Um, so the, I think the, also the problem is 
is that language is a tool. I guess the, 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 the pause, rewind, stop, play. Language is something, it's like a gun. We can use it <laughs> and we can use it to hurt and we can pull it out whenever we want, but we have to be careful when we use it. It's like, uh, you can use it as a screwdriver. You can use it. It's like a multi-tool that can do whatever you want. And one of those things is hurt. And I think it says a lot of the person about the person. If you want to hurt people, you can use it. But I don't, I think a lot of people put a, too much, especially in modern linguistics, they put a lot too much emphasis on the power, like the, um, like the power of language and how it mm -hmm. creates the world around us. I used to have this idea. I remember taking um, postmodernist thought to its ultimate degree uh, in school. And I came up with this weird theory. I didn't write about it because it was just kind of a thought experiment where we're not actually alive. The reality is created by the words we use and we're just kind of entities floating in a no sphere and the connecting with each other and the thoughts that we have that connect with each other form reality that we're seeing today. And that's why a lot of the postmodernists believe that you can just, if you just change the words we use, reality will change too. It's, it's like, oh man, that would be great. It's all, if we had thought of that a thousand years ago, then we could have already been living in utopia. Well, worse still, if they would have done that a thousand years ago, we'd all be under a theocratic, like one world nation. Yeah. <laughs> because they would have used those words to write a Bible, which they did. And they would have used that Bible, which they tried to do to dominate the world and suppress women and black people and gay people. And they would have done a whole heap of harm. Yeah. If we'd have let them go ahead with this type of power, but thankfully it's just not possible. But the yeah. thing is, it's not just down to words. It's also sentence <laughs> structure. And, and, um, like I said, like the regional colloquialisms and or idiomatic expressions that people use just generally speaking to convey similar ideas without so many words as I'm using now. So Noam, Noam Chomsky described this a lot in manufacturing consent, for example, just on the subject of of language and and what it can do as far as like harm and good but i mean in his case he mostly spoke of the harm for obvious reasons but the if you say something like i didn't take your black pen you could put a comma in between any one of those letter those words and change the meaning of the sentence through a pause or a comma just from written or speech you can say i didn't take your black pen i didn't take your black pen i didn't take your black pen I didn't take your black pen. I didn't so take every your pen type black. <laughs> but no, but that's every like... type of way of expressing the exact same words, even if you don't change the words, you can change the meaning of a sentence. And but I know I this is just racist by implying that I don't like saying the word black. But and... as soon as you start avoiding the word black because of racism, then it becomes a racist statement, even if you don't say black, because you avoided the obvious natural selection of color that you wanted to express succinctly but couldn't because you chose not to because of some type of other idea that's prescribing meaning to the idea of a color that leads like you know down the rabbit hole six feet under from where you started you began right. trying to express a thought and you ended up dancing around it and, and beating around the bush for absolutely no reason other than uh, a meaning attributed to a word that shouldn't ever have that meaning attributed to it so it, it's a lot like uh, terms like doing it refers to sex in a lot of English speaking countries, but like doing it isn't 
anything. It's oh, just saying, it's a euphemism. Like we, yeah. like um, oh, he's passed. Yeah, like that. So uh, we don't want to say like oh, how's your sister? Oh, she's dead. It's like whoa, <laughs> no. Oh, she passed. You know, last week. It's we're all very sad. You're like yeah. you don't you lessen it's, it. It's it's understood too that using that word is an intention of softening the blow of a really harsh word like death. Well, and I think that's that's emotionally significant to everybody. That's part of being understanding of the other person. Now, one of the things I don't particularly care for about the modern linguist is that we can't understand any other person. It's like, oh, you go away. Um, We can like we can't live in their shoes, but we can we can know we can sit with them and be like, dude, what's it like? And they'll be like, oh, boy, I'm going to tell you and be like, I've got time. And then we can get a sense of it. We can't know it for sure. We can't feel it. Well, actually, sometimes we can. You you sit there with someone long enough and you start to empathize with them. You start to, you know, not just sympathize, but empathize. And you're like, dude, I get it. I think I get it. And he's like, yeah, but you can't feel it. It's like, no, but like, I'm, you've gotten me to a place where I now can respect what you felt enough to not just be like, you know, pander you by being like oh i'm so sorry what can we do to um to you know give you recompense for this thing that you've had because that's insulting um to anybody with self-respect and just because someone's of the lower class doesn't mean they don't have self-respect or dignity now i think what it seems like and what a lot of people who are just straight up angry on every side not just the two main sides that everyone's talking about is that there's this catch-22 there well, if if I notice something like, uh, if I don't talk about it and ignore it, well, that's too far to one side. If I uh, just decide to lean into it and be like, yeah, these people are terrible. They're horrible because they're their group of people. Well, that's, that's what everyone doesn't want. But you kind of do have to ride a line between that. And I think that line is literally just understanding and coming to terms with it and maybe even like not getting up in their business unnecessarily. Yeah. (laughs) I I think the simple solution to it is everybody should be allowed to say anything and everybody should be willing to try and accommodate other people reasonably. Mm. And reasonable is one of those legal terms that means, you know, to our best judgment at the time, basically. I do want to do an entire episode on reasonable. I've been talking with Megan a lot about like, cause you know, you go to a restaurant and you're just like, I want this. And they're like, well, what do you mean? It's like, I gave you enough to make a reasonable understanding that I want ice water. Come on, buddy. <laughs> and everyone's avoiding reason being reasonable because, you know, they want it either explicit in legal terms or they want you to, they either want you to say they're dancing around it and they don't want to take responsibility for the either making a mistake or having to say the thing. So like, fine, I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll be reasonable and I'll say the thing. Look, it's been done. Now we can move on. And because a lot of people are but getting well, back to what i was saying yeah that, that's another episode i don't want to get into that the reasonable part is you should be able to say whatever you want and the person who's offended should be able to tell you they're offended and you should be able to respond with a i didn't mean to hurt you this is what i meant and then you can elaborate or whatever but to have the rule in place where, person, where it's either know. black or white where you can't say any of this but you can say this but only if you're part jewish and you can say this but only if you're more than a quarter hebrew like, yeah, it's essentially, it's the exact same problem as like, um, 
like you're essentially profiling yourself yeah. uh, in order to talk a certain way. It's like when you do that, <laughs> you're like, okay, so I'm going to be racist against myself so that I can avoid being racist against you. Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> but the <laughs> point the of the censorship thing. shouldn't be to stop people from speaking. It should be self-censorship. It should right. be voluntary, voluntary self-censorship so that if you're in front or faced with somebody who's not willing to capitulate or be reasonable in your judgment, you don't have to talk to them. Like well, you don't have to work at that job. You can find another place with a culture that's more um, in line with your own ideals, right? Yeah, so there, this, there's a, a time and a place for being offended and for for making a big, you know, circus out of your offense. And I don't think work is probably the best place to do that. But well, it is a it is a typical place of where people's speech is often restricted in order to prevent causing harm unduly or unnecessarily to other people. And that is a reasonable approach for any manager of a business to want to do that. But the enforcement of it is where we have the problem. When we start enforcing speech, then you're going to have the deeper issue of a violation of human sovereignty, personal rights. Whereas before it was just a casual insult, which isn't against the law, but a violation of human rights, inalienable rights, is against the law. So you're breaking a law for somebody to to correct somebody for not breaking a law, but just being mean in your opinion. Right. That that's where it should be really clear and easy to draw those lines. Well, it should be easy because it's almost a mundane thing that we're forgetting. Like, don't swear in church. Time and mm-hmm. place, and this is that time and place I talked about uh, in a couple other episodes. And uh, you know, there's just times where you say certain things. Uh, you know, that you're at a hockey game and everyone's riled up and the, the, that one guy punches the star player of your hockey team in the face and everyone is like, oh, that guy, uh, ref, you're, you're an idiot. That's personally reasonable. You're actually, you know, mm-hmm. insulting somebody in a group of 10,000 people on one guy who's just standing there doing his job yeah, and he's just taking it and you are doing this. But at the same time, if you're working at a call center or in retail or at a coffee joint, coffee <laughs> joint or something, you're not going to go by like, is your in latte? Like yeah. it's, it, you know, why do you censor yourself there? Well, cause you want to keep your job. Well, and the thing is, is that, is that actually censorship? Now censorship, if you can't say something at all, then, um, then that's definitely censorship. But if you if you can still say the same thing just with not using you know four letter four letter Anglo-Saxon monosyllables, are you being censored? Well, you can't use these words, but you can still say the thing. <laughs> but if you so, slip, it shouldn't be something that a, a, some authoritarian regime comes down on you and imposes punitive measures to keep you back in line. Like right. be able to allow people to make the mistake of slipping or refusing outright. And if they refuse outright, don't judge them as a person. Just be like, look, we're trying to harness this culture. If that's not conducive to your personality and you refuse to comply, that's fine. But can you please find another job? We should be able to have the conversation as if we're all mature adults with, you know, sentience and thought. But we're not because we've made certain things illegal. The topic of conversation itself is illegal. You well, it used to be employer. just like, used to be just like, are you sure you want to phrase it like that? And the guy's like, no, oh, let me rephrase it. But if they actually want to start something, be like, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. I want to do this. <laughs> and the guy's like, all right, 
you know that you said that where you are being who you are with all you know the variables in play and you decided to use those particular words to voice that particular sentiment i'll give you one more chance to rephrase that and sometimes we don't know but sometimes there's just an idiot who wants to see the incident burn <laughs> and but we're, we're trying think, to regulate those idiots when the rest of us are trying to be reasonable and making mistakes. I, I wouldn't go so far as to call them idiots, though. They just have different prescriptions of meaning oh. than we do. They don't yeah, value so there was the my meaning. prescription of meaning on them. <laughs> no, but the words they're using aren't as harmful in their mind as it is in our mind. That's the oh. difference. Well, they I'm prescribe a different meaning to the same words as we prescribe to them, and we say those words can't be used in this setting. Whereas they'll say, well, why can't I? I don't get it. But no, there's nothing I'm wrong with of, them not getting it. I'm thinking of intentional, like someone who's like goes into a, you know, you go to an African restaurant and you start using, you say, oh, hey, N word. And you're just like, are you sure you want to be doing this? And that's like, well, I wouldn't. There are people out there. I'm saying you should be people allowed to. Yeah, and okay, yes. Okay. Until you I, commit a crime. I see what you're saying, yes. Until you're you not commit a crime. crime because then, the owner of that restaurant would be fully within their uh, use of freedom. Like uh, That's a terrible way to put it, but it's good enough because I don't want to belabor it. To just be like, whoa, well, you said those words. Well, I can use these words. Get out. Yeah, <laughs> if you refuse to leave, that's trespassing, and you call and the police for That actually becomes a, you know, place where in the Lockean sense those two people are in a state of war where the police need to be brought in <laughs> yeah but that's a trespassing that's a different law that's broken it's just like discrimination in the workplace if they say you can't work here i didn't know you were gay when i hired you and now that you're i find out you're gay you're fired that's not a violate that's not a violation of his speech being abusive or hurtful that that shouldn't be the law that's broken the mm. law that's broken is the discrimination the right of every person and individual to hold a job despite their religious beliefs or sexual affiliation or et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like that's a human right that we deem by law. And if you want to change that law, all the power to you, go lobby. This isn't the time or place to do it while you're faced with confrontation. Yeah. You're really against the way the system is set up, then go change the system. You're but as citizen. it is now, you go abide by the rules. <laughs> well, no. no, I'm saying I'm agreeing with you. Sorry, I'm just adding. If you're a free citizen, go talk to your representative. <laughs> well, and that's just it. So um, not just just to recap a little bit, it's not just words that hurt. And it's not just that people are, are, are dumb or their followers for complying or not complying. And it has nothing to do with people's ability to sympathize with the plights of others. Even um, really what it comes down to is it's open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. Other people just have different interpretations or prescriptions of meaning to the exact same words and scenarios as others do. And that's yeah. not always, but often based on regional or cultural experiences, uh, historical references, or it's based on discriminatory, discriminatory practices that, um, or abuses that they've had to endure maybe in the course of their lifetime or maybe just recently. Fun. <laughs> no, but you're right. Um, we are language is a definitely or a lot of times we forget that language is a constant negotiation and it's very difficult to use. Um, one of those 
Like everyone thinks, oh, I, I just need to be given a chance to write. And it's like, okay, right. Tell me what you want to say. But it's like, uh, and words take a lot of practice and a lot of encouragement to use. And even the best of us screw up and have weird ideas that don't really work when they come into contact with, you know, reality or other people. Um, and these ideas, when they're challenged to create better ideas, but we're constantly negotiating what ideas each individual has. And I think that sometimes an idea is bad. So you, you get that guy who's, uh, you know, you get a bunch of those KKK guys and then you, and they, 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 know, they know what they're saying, of course, but then you have that other guy who's going around this, uh, I don't remember his name. It's this black guy who's going around and buying them beer and sitting down with them and talking to them. He's converted like, dozens of KKK members just by going and having beers with them. So he's talking with them, telling them and renegotiating the meaning in their languages. And they come out with this different understanding. And, you know, uh, apparently there's this ceremony that they do and like, so not a, like a big ceremony, but like they give, a, they give him his, their robes as like kind of a, I'm giving this up because they've reconstructed the meaning of their system with the use of words by mm -hmm. over a beer it doesn't but have to sometimes be regulated people are flat out wrong but not always and i think in most cases it's just a matter of personal um preference or interpretation like i said based on personal experience or how many times have we been at odds arguing the same thing oh tons <laughs> because we're saying the same thing we're like no you're wrong no you're wrong wait we're arguing the same exact thing, just with different words, aren't we? Yeah, we are. <laughs> That's why context is always so key. Yeah. But I think what's really key also to make note of and pay attention to is that it's not necessarily that a person is being vindictive or malicious when they hurt you with their words. It's probably more likely that person thinks that they're a good person and truly believes it, and they just don't understand the meaning that you um, prescribe to the same thing. Mm -hmm. Not you now, personally, but that's like usually other person. That's usually easy to deal with. So you think they're being vindictive. Now there are nihilists out there, but we're not going to talk well, about. We've basically criminalized bad speech. I know. Like, instead of just swearing in church doesn't get you, you know, it'll get you reprimanded and sat in the back corner and they might ask you to leave, but you're still welcome back usually. But it's not a crime. When but you start it's... doing it at work or when you have the issue with, um, I think swearing children. in church is a good metaphor for it, though. We're not allowed to swear at church anymore. But society's not church. Church is church. <laughs> and so they've made it so that... But even know, in church, it's not illegal. They no swearing at church leave, law. And then it's yeah. like a trespass again if you don't leave. So mm -hmm. It goes to a separate law. It falls back onto a law that pre-exists. One that has a very strict and obvious legal definition that you can apply. Well, not obvious, I guess. Trespass is a bad example, but... yeah. Um, calling people a name though is like haranguing someone is harassment. But when you do it at a hockey game, I mean, the owner of the stadium would much prefer an engaged crowd than a crowd that just sat there and did nothing. They well, would encourage you swearing at the ref if that's the only noise that you would make. Yeah. You know, and they just pay the ref more if the guy's got like, you know, trauma from dealing with all the abuse. Like referees deal with abuse all the time. Mm. by the players, by the coaches, by the staff, by every single person that watches any sports game harasses the referee personally for things he does on, on <laughs> as his job and following rules that he didn't write or she yeah. didn't write, which is really funny, but we allow it. It's like 
fighting in hockey is not assault because we've decided collectively that it's okay to do it. So long as somebody doesn't try and break the other person's neck or hit them from behind, like um, Bertuzzi did. Yeah. You know what I mean? But one thing I don't get about this trying to regulate it is that if I say, if we decide as a society that we don't like the word, um, you know, scunf, <laughs> it's a terrible word. How could you say that? Oh, it's like, you can't call somebody a scunf. That's the worst word ever that you could ever come up with. No one should ever, you know what? Let's take this to Ottawa. We're going to outlaw it. Anyone who says that gets five years of criminal. And then five years later, no one cares about the word. There's a new word that people don't like. And then we just keep regulating words. And eventually we're going to run out of, you know, um, sounds that we can use to convey language. So I think. Or we'll start swearing in other languages, which we already do. Yeah. And it doesn't fix the problem. It just passes it by so that somebody Sayonara, else doesn't know. Sucker. <laughs> but when you swear in another language, when you say like, um, khara or, you know, kusum. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who doesn't understand Arabic won't take offense to it because they don't understand the word. So the meaning to me saying it means the same as the F word, but the meaning to them hearing it falls on deaf ears because they don't understand the language. Well, if the intent is still there, then the harm should still be there, but it's obviously not. So by reducing that down logically, that means that our interpretations of meanings of words are the reasons we feel insult, not the actual words. Yeah, good it's the example intent of the other person to harm us that bothers us, that, that mm -hmm. makes it painful. And like that intent isn't always there. Like um, I remember we were playing pool with a couple of uh, guys of African descent. They were really cool guys. But I kind of think about them every once in a while. If you're out there, hi, how's it going? I hope you're doing well. But I remember you swore one day and they were like, you know, usually it's just like, ha Chris is having a bad uh, uh, pool shot. But you said something and they just didn't take it well. I think you, it was, um, had something to do with family. And, and, yeah. and, and I remember it's like, okay, that's a line. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's reverse because I didn't realize the meaning that they prescribed to it using that word. Yeah. Because we swear differently in, in English. Like, it's like, oh, your mother, it's like, she's a beautiful, wonderful woman. Why are you talking about her? You know, like we don't have, we don't in our culture violently defend the, the virtue of our mothers because it's just taken as for granted. No, <laughs> you can't. But, but we know it's, it's, we know it's petty. That's the thing. Like, yeah. And it's not because we're so self-aware. It's just, we choose not to take it personally. And other grade four, everyone was going, who are your mom? It's like, for, for, one person, for one person, it's a, it's a sign of their virtue and valor towards their family. Right. And that's just something cultural, or maybe it's just personal, but they decide to re react or respond in a certain way because it's, it's in line it's it's congruent with their core beliefs, their deep held values. But those meanings are all self-prescribed. Those aren't mm -hmm. inherent to nature itself. We create that meaning ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to step aside a little bit from words then and move on to actions because people's actions, just as much as their words, can be well-intended or ignorant or neglectful and still be hurtful to other people. And it's important to just note the same as with words when people... Um, when people use offensive language or, or terms that knowingly cause harm to other people, same thing with their deeds and actions. When they apply actions that they believe are fine, like the cake maker who refused to make a gay 
um, a gay wedding cake, right? Yeah. That guy's actions were hurtful to the people buying wedding cake. But the only reason that should have been an issue is because he had agreed to it originally. That's a contract. And then welched on the contract after the fact. That's breach of contract. There's already a law for that. Yeah, because so like you're free to not make someone a been, cake, but if you had a contract... Yeah, that, that <laughs> shouldn't have been a gay rights issue because you have no right, just fundamentally, to the goods of other people or the services of other people. It has to be a mutually agreed upon transaction for it to be valid. Otherwise, it's coercion. Yeah, so, I, there's a couple people I won't teach with because I just don't trust them to be a client. (laughs) Simple as that. It has nothing to do with who they are. I just don't. And there are companies I won't work for again. Like I worked for a payday loaning company uh, call center for about a year and a half, two years, something like that. And by the the reason I quit wasn't the money. It wasn't the job. It wasn't any of that. I just morally was opposed to the business model itself, making money, preying on the poor (laughs) and the desperate. I just, I couldn't do it. But that's a personal thing. I'm not going to go out and burn them down for some holier-than-thou virtue signal or something and be like, look what I did. I'm hurting people who are hurting people. Like trying, trying to police that type of action only causes more destruction and more inaction because then you're fighting the fight instead of fighting the cause. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like actions are really important to interpret too, but not just for ourselves and our own um, validity of how we conduct ourselves throughout our lives to find meaning in our own lives for the positive or the negative, but it's also in the interpretations of our actions upon other people and other people's interpretations of groups' actions because people tend to follow groups just because, you know, our, our minds have to cover like how many mi- million signals of sensory perceptions every single day. Like we have feels- to be automatic at some point just to be able to get through the day and it's easier just to say you know what nuts to it i'm a conservative and then you know everyone who's not a conservative goes like how dare you and it's just like okay um i'm not a conservative i'm a classical liberal it's like liberalism's bad it's like oh you know what i'm just me i don't care about you anymore i'm going to eat cake or something (laughs) it's like i can't i don't care but but it's not really mental laziness though and no i'm like when I'm I'm, there's definitely times when I'm mentally lazy and I just go, uh, I'm saying it's functionally practical to be a follower. Like if our brains weren't capable of that autonomic system or like the, the autopilot, that blind drive where you don't have to think about something and you just function mm-hmm. that frees up your capacity to do other things in the background, like thinking about what you're going to, how you're going to cook and eat. And then if right. you've got that down to your automatic system, you can contemplate the theories of life while you cook. Yeah. So it, it's to very useful you to have a mental RAM. But like, I, I do agree. I think a lot of people give their fellowship away, their following uh, too easily. I think they're... Uh, um, I agree, but I acknowledge that's a personal sluts. preference. Because like, I'm definitely willing to get into bed with groups, um, but they have to earn it. It's kind of like respect. Um, they have to earn it and they can lose it quickly. Uh, so it's just like, oh man, this guy, I think this guy's probably going to get my vote. Says another thing. Oh, guess what? He lost it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing. And they have to earn their, earn my fellowship in their, in their group or in their philosophy or in their uh, thing. But, it 
And that comes down to you prescribing more meaning to the types of energies that you apply yourself to, because you're self-aware in the sense that you know what you want out of life and what you want to do with your life and the type of person you want to be, et cetera. Hmm. But for somebody who's regular day to day, even at a mundane menial job, it's very difficult for them to process because they don't have the same mental faculties because everybody's different. For them, they might have to do that just to be able to get through the day. And it doesn't mean they're any better or worse than other people. It just means that they're different in one particular way. And I think we often overlook the fact that other people prescribe different meanings to actions as well as words. Because when somebody slights us by not responding to a text message and we oh, immediately yes. think, oh, they don't like us or, you know, have some type of depressive thought where there's it, where it's personal or something like or if a customer swears at you, it's probably because of, you know, they're frustrated about not getting their product or service properly it has nothing to do with the individual. And if you misspeak and accidentally make a mistake and the customer overreacts to you, that's just it's not. Um, it's not a clear and accurate ref reflection of how you operate your business on a regular day-to-day -day basis. It means that you made one mistake with one person, but they will probably be more emph uh, emphatic about how stupid you are than about how all the other times that you were competent. Mm -hmm. So keeping context and perspective together with actions as well as words, I think they should be treated similarly in the sense that we should give people more credit and credence to have preferences and beliefs and just communicate when when well, it's taking they don't people drive at face value. Own. Like a lot of people overcomplicate this. I think we did this in simplicity, but uh, and another one too, where it's just you take people at face value because a lot of people go like, you know, uh, Megan is has this. Uh, she worked with this woman who's just like she's on Tinder or something. She's just talking to this guy who she's like, do uh, you want to go out? And the guy says yes and she like turns to my wife and just goes what did he mean by that it's just like my wife's just like it means he wants to go out with you it's just like yeah but does he mean yes or yes or yes it's like how do we know it's like why don't you give him your number and ask him it's like oh i can't do that it's like all right then nothing i can do if you just say yes and see what will happen when you get there well and this is like if you take someone their face values. If I say, uh, uh, you know, it's, you know, if I'm working at a job I hate and I like, welcome to, um, you know, so-and-so, I'm glad to see you. It's like, is he? It's just like, let's just assume he is and move on. <laughs> I'm not. I don't want to work here. I don't care. But it's easier just to just take everything at face value unless you get cues that you shouldn't, you know, shifty eyes or something. But like, if you have an inkling that like maybe they're being underhanded, but most people aren't working on seven levels. They're not playing 5d chess with the conversation they're having with you right now. Ain't nobody got time most for that. <laughs> most people, there are some people who muddy the water so that they can play in the chaos or that, you know, um, I don't know, or, uh, just kind of like feeling smart like that. But like, I don't know. I think, both of us yeah, used to do that when we were their young. own personality it, it's not uh it's not a truth of nature that they're right. believing in right their their beliefs are just different than another person's and that belief prescribes a different amount of uh impetus or severity not impetus uh severity or um not make that works because like the impetus you're you're assuming the impetus of the other person is something other than what is just on the surface yeah it's like, 
but I'm more thinking like their um, motivation towards doing that slight to you is obviously going to be rooted in a different scenario or a different set of subsystems or sub beliefs that the, that they carry along with them. Yeah. So so going around calling negative things gay might mean nothing to that straight person doing it, but it might mm -hmm. mean the world to the gay person. But the gay person, on the one hand, must also recognize that the other person is not doing it to be mean to all gay people. They, no. they have to recognize that another person just carries a different set of beliefs and meanings than they do. And they have to recognize that it's not it's not the same as being hit. Well, what happens <laughs> if like a gay guy just goes up and says something like, you know, somebody does something idiot and a gay guy's like, oh man, that's gay. It's like, okay, brain just exploded. I'm just going to let that be because <laughs> like the, the amount of meaning... I'm not saying that we should be allowing or enabling people to use words that hurt other people. That, that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is both sides need to recognize that their own speech and actions affect each other. And mm -hmm. both sides are interpreting the exact same situation or word differently. Right. And that type of realization just lessens the harm that it causes to both people. It means the punishment on the, per on the offender should be less severe, if any at all, which I don't think there should be any. But again, that's a personal preference. Speaking as a person with a big mouth who overextends over himself far too often, that would obviously be my, my proclivity is to avoid detention. But um, from the flip side, for the person being hurt, it should also lessen the amount of, of hurt that they, they want to inflict as punishment on another person as well. So all things get better when we're more tolerant, not for the sake of tolerating things to allow them to be, but tolerant in the sense that we have to understand that there are different approaches and reasonings to broach with every subject that we encounter or every, every opportunity to be squeezed. Well, and I think that's, that's a really good point. I think another aspect of actions is that what happens when words and deeds are of no kin to one another to borrow Shakespeare. What happens if you don't, if you're talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk in a more modern one, what happens if you're saying one thing and doing another? Cause a lot of people do this. Cause a lot of people will say, Oh, I believe in this. I believe in that. And then they have meaning towards this, but then they don't have the will or the inclination or the, they're, they're, they're they're verbal moralists, but, you know, acting hypocrites, mm. sort of, so to speak. Well, For, what happens is they're human beings who are growing. They will one day realize the folly of their ways and hopefully want to change. And everybody is individually responsible for their own betterment and self-improvement. So if somebody chooses to be an asshole their whole lives, as long as they're not breaking laws and physically or materially harming people, themselves for the purpose and sake of like gain and to harm others because of sadistic intent. Like that's totally within their prerogative and purview of their life to do. They're allowed to be whatever type of person they want to be, but I should also be allowed to tell them that they're that type of person. <laughs> you know, if, if somebody's yeah. being an asshole to a gay person and I offend them intentionally, not the gay person, but the offender, because I want to punish them for what they're doing to somebody else who's not defending themselves. Is that okay? I don't know. I think it's okay, but that's because I'm prescribing the meaning to freedom of speech and justice and equality and 
you know, all these types of things that obviously the other person is less concerned about, not to say they're not at all concerned about justice, mm -hmm. but I might be over the top in their view. Yeah. And the person who's receiving the abuse might actually agree with them and feel small about themselves because of a lifetime of abuse. So they might need to be defended to be shown that they're, they're wrong in those ideas. But the thing is, it's a constantly moving interaction. It's a dynamic system uh, that contracts and inflates with other dynamic systems. So it's... they're never just static balls bumping into each other. They're more like um, amorphous orbs. <laughs> Which is why you can't legislate this stuff because it's so circumstantial that like if you try and legislate something, it ends up being, um, you know, it ends up being you're legislating a circumstance uh, that is so dependent on like factors that you can't put into legislation. And then the legislation ends up looking like it looks like where if you feel bad, inform on them and then we'll take away all their rights Mm -hmm. And we won't, and it'll be completely anonymous. And we're just like, no, because yeah. what if someone doesn't like you that day? What if like you piss someone off, you know, you have a fight with your husband or wife or, you know, a friend and you just piss them because like friends and family piss each other off all the time. Mm. But the whole point of a friend group and a family group is, is the, even those lines are blurred is that you can be in a absolute fury at these people for a day or two or a week, but then come back and reconcile, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's so powerful about a family and a friendship is that you can let it strengthen through adversity. But during that time, what happens if you're like, you know what, that guy hey, RCMP, take away this guy's guns and his right to own firearms because I don't like him today. He's offended me. He made me feel bad. Mm -hmm. Like, and in, 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 in England right now, you can't say certain words. Well, it's not a crime, but we're taking you into the, into the thing. It's not a crime. Why are you taking me in? Well, it's, you know, you've created a fence and that's, that's, a, that's a problem. So we're bringing you into the police station. It's like, what the absolute... <laughs> But so there are certain things and I just want to before we step off to a break here quick just to to elaborate mm. on that but there are there are certain things that you can't say because it causes public harm like screaming fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire the panic causes harm to all of the people and patrons of the theater so question what if someone says fire and another guy goes prove it <laughs> <laughs> they're both allowed to just say the words but if I you're know. saying it with the intention to cause a panic that that's yeah. against the law that's yeah that's but that's that is an action that is that's that, that that that's almost not an action of speech at that point that's an action of, right but the and, intent has to be so clear for it to be illegal like right. you can't just say the word fire under your breath mumbling it and then have or everybody like freak out hijack at the uh at the uh airport kind of thing or, you know, you yell at Allah Akbar at the airport, you know, you, which like, you can do if you're praying if yes. you're on the ground, on a, on a, on a carpet, but in the East in an airport and you scream Allah Akbar, like now, people will say, is, don't do that, but it goes still... back to being reasonable. Like you don't do finger guns in a police station, like, <laughs> duh, but like, it's just like, you know, but you see someone who's, you know, mentally disabled uh, or handicapped. I don't know what the politically correct term is this week. Just inform on me. Uh, mm. And uh, he's doing some, you know, weird stuff. 
and it's in a police station and then the police are going to look over it and be like, is he okay? And then, the, you know, his parents or his friends are going to be like, no, no, he's fine. He's, uh, he's just a little, he's got a bit of a problem. And the police are going to be like, okay. But if someone who's of full mind comes in and does that, the police could tackle the shit out of that guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and there will be misunderstandings. Like sometimes somebody will have a mental problem, but it's not obvious or clear. Well, and what they'll happens, say something that's untoward. What happens if you do something like, say, teach your dog to do the Hitler salute? <laughs> <laughs> that's like, the thing. We should be able to just figure these things out by talking. Yeah. And insofar as we can't speak on openly and candidly about our beliefs and, and our belief structures, because things are illegal to say, you're mm -hmm. never going to fix the problem. You're only going to make it worse because then nobody's got dialogue. There's well, no that's the Orwellian problem where in, uh, it's the Orwellian problem in 1984. You know, if you make it so that people can't say things, they can't talk about those things. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we can't talk about race. Why not? Well, because you're white. Wait, 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 what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't talk about you can't talk about indigenous people. It's like, why but not? That causes harm. That causes harm to <laughs> indigenous does. people and black people because white people aren't able to talk about it. Right. Like when you're not allowed to discuss something, you never gain a deeper understanding just by meditating on it. Never. <laughs> no. It's so. like and then you get a wrong idea because you can't actually talk about them or with them. And you nurture and cultivate a wrong idea. It stays with you and gets embedded and yep. then it spreads. Everything gets worse when you can't talk about things. And I, I think we miss that because we're so obsessed with the superficiality of what something sounds like or what it comes across as immediately right in front of our face in the moment. And mm -hmm. that's not that's not the only thing that's important. So I guess we'll get to that in, in part two. Yes. I heard the cat do something and I was just like, 